Our gospel lesson is found in Luke chapter 2 in the first 20 verses. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. Amen. Would you pray with me and for me? Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O Lord, our rock, our strength, our redeemer. Amen. Read an article this week by a Reverend Eric Parker that was entitled 11 Christmas Eve Sermons That Often Get Preached But We Don't Want to Hear. Well, they were, they were pretty clever, and so I just want to share. There's the come to church sermon. The pastor tells all the visitors that because Jesus was born in a manger, they should try out this church on days other than Christmas. Now, these pastors describe their churches as pretty cool places to hang out, or at least they're 
not so bad that you should avoid them. <laughs> Unfortunately, these pastors try so hard to be welcoming that they come across as incredibly lonely and needy people. <laughs> There's the Jesus is the reason so Santa is not sermon. This one's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> the pastor tries to explain the real story behind Christmas, telling us that Santa has taken over the world. The war on Christmas folks really love this sermon, but everyone else feels really kind of bad about having gotten their Christmas joy all wound up for nothing. They're a little ashamed they have written on some packages from Santa. There's the virgin birth. God stuff sounds impossible, but you can believe it because we love each other sermon. These pastors talk about virgin births and angels and Magi's following stars. It all sounds a little impossibly wonderful and entirely impractical all at the same time. <laughs> but the pastor always assures that this confusion is okay because the rest of us believe all this stuff. And then there's the anti-consumerism. Let's meet at the soup kitchen afterwards sermon. <laughs> this one is full of high-minded values, except that it makes everyone ashamed of how much they've spent on Christmas. The good news, though, is that the soup kitchen has been informed that all those folks are showing up to serve dinner later. Now, there really is good news tonight, for I have none of those sermons. <laughs> tonight, I simply want to remember why we come to church on Christmas Eve. It really isn't for the sermon. There's all year long to fill Sundays with words of encouragement and challenge and theological insight. Tonight, we come for the wonderful music and for that magical moment at the end of the service when the lights go out and the candle light begins to spread throughout the sanctuary and in the dark, the light begins to shine. There's so much darkness in our lives that we come to see that little light break through because that little light shines with a promise. It's a sort of pledge of defiance and it's a parable of resistance to all that's broken and wrong in the world. 
in our bones. We once again trust that little light that it can pierce any dark corner and open a window of hope. And for that little light to declare that joy is still within reach. In 2008, there was a novel written entitled The Cellist of Sarajevo. It's a fictionalization of the telling of the Bosnian War, which is in the early 90s. The capital city of Sarajevo was under siege for four long years, during which 14,000 people lost their lives and over 100,000 homes and buildings were destroyed. In the book, there's a story in which a bakery was bombed and 22 people were standing outside waiting to buy bread. And when the bomb went off, of course, neighbors and rescue workers and all kinds of folks came from everywhere to see how they could help. There was a 35-year-old man named Vedran Samalovic. Samalovic was not a doctor, a politician, nor a soldier. He was basically unprepared to help in any significant way as the shells rained down and snipers fired. He was a musician, an accomplished cellist within the Sarajevo Philharmonic Orchestra. And in the wake of all that bombing of his neighborhood bakery, he did the one thing he could do well. He set his cello up in the rubble. And for 22 days, a day for each of the victims, he went and played the hauntingly beautiful Adagio in G minor by Albinoni. Albinoni? Close enough. <laughs> Thank you. He went into places where the firing was still going on and a sniper could have got him. He played at funerals. He played everywhere he could set up his instrument. 22 days. His music brought comfort to the grieving and a kind of salve to the war-weary people. It helped in a way that only music can. But more than that, his performances held up a little candle, a little light confronting the darkness, proclaiming that no act of violence, no evil deed, no darkness could thwart the spirit of a people determined to live in freedom and peace. Tonight we come for that memory, a silent, holy night when the candle still has the power to pierce the darkness of our lives and to offer us hope in this world. We come because of that light. We also come to feel the gift of belonging and being loved. 
when we heard the choir sing, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And then, then he appeared and the soul felt its worth. We've come tonight to still feel our worth. We come to experience God's love of us and we come to sit for a while with each other and with our God who accepts us as we are and not as we feel we are expected to be. We're here because our souls long to be valued. Haven't all the wrong things defined our worth? And maybe, maybe just tonight, we can feel how precious we are in the sight of God. We can feel our worth long enough to remember and believe that Jesus does love all the little children of the world, even you and me. We could never forget when the angel appears to the shepherds in the field, guarding the flocks by night, and they sing, a baby, a baby is born to you. Now that angel could have come and say, heads up guys, the baby's born to Mary. Or, hey folks, in the city of David, the baby's been born. That's not what is said. It says the baby is born to you. Pastor Bob at the five o'clock service read a little book to the children called Room for a Little One. There was kind ox in the stable next to the inn, keeping himself warm when a weary old dog comes in and wants shelter and the ox invites him in. And then don't you know there comes a cat, a scaredy cat, because as soon as he sees the dog, he goes, oh, you know how they puff up and blow up? That's what this cat did. And ox and the dog say, come on in. Then there's a mouse at the door. And of course, when the mouse sees the cat, and they all say, no need to be afraid, come on in. The story goes on and then there's the donkey who is exhausted with Mary and Joseph. I want you to know I got a card. Cartoon on the front. Joseph is leading this donkey. And he looks at Mary and says, do you think I could take a turn? <laughs> to which Mary says, I don't believe you just said that to me. <laughs> They're all exhausted and they just want a little place for rest and for that baby to be born. And we come tonight for a moment, just to a moment, to imagine that there might be room in that stable for us too. Tonight, let your soul feel its worth. Let God make room for you 
so that you know how deeply you are loved. We've come because we know our poverty. Not the financial kind, but the kind that forgets that everything that really matters can be found in us, around us, and with our love of God, in the faces of those we love and in the faces of our neighbors. I invite you for just a minute to remember what you got last year for Christmas. (laughs) Most of us could not do it. Try five years ago. It's gone. But there's not a one of us here this night that could not say, who was at the table, who was missing from the table, and where they were or if they weren't coming back. And we remembered the value of those relationships. Our relationships are the source of our joy, not what we have or not what we think we need. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's amazing letter written while he was a prisoner in Nazi Germany during the concentration camp during World War II, he says this to his fellow inmates. I think we're going to have an exceptionally good Christmas. I used to be very fond of thinking up and buying presents, but now that we have nothing to give, the gift God gave us in the birth of Christ will seem all the more glorious The emptier our hands, the better we understand what Luther meant. We are beggars. It's true. The poorer our quarters, the more clearly we perceive that our hearts should be Christ's home on earth. Can we take a moment Forget all that we have or don't have or think that we need and remember that our joy is in relationship to Christ and the real gifts that have made room for us with each other and our riches would be beyond measure. We are here to let our joy run over. And last but not least, we've come because we want to give something extraordinary back. Frederick Buechner, in his writing, says this, The gifts that the three wise men, or kings, or magi, brought to the manger in Bethlehem cost them plenty, but seem hardly appropriate to the occasion. Maybe they were all they could think of for a child who had everything. In any case, they set them down on the straw, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, worshipped briefly, and then returned to the east where they had come from. It gives you pause to consider how for all of their great wisdom, they overlooked the one gift that the child would have been genuinely pleased to have someday. And that was the gift of themselves. Don't you want on this night 
to give yourself away to Christ in the most complete way you can. For it would mean coming as close as is humanly possible to feeling like Mary must have felt, both wondering at what a marvelous thing was happening to her and why God would choose to take shape in her life. Barbara Brown Taylor says, with a bit of courage and daring to say yes, we can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no scripts and no guarantees. A simple yes, and you can smuggle God into the world in your body. Deciding to say yes to God doesn't mean that we give up our fears. It just means that we're not willing to let our fears stop us from life or keep us locked in some room. So you say yes to the angel. You say, here I am. Let it be in me according to your word. And in so saying, we became, become one of Mary's people willing to bring Christ into the world. And just as the stable made room for Jesus, we decide anew tonight to make room for him in our lives. Let the stable of your life suffice. And while we can't say that as often very much, it is the only place Jesus would be born tonight, in you and in me. And when that happens, we'll know we've come for our peace. Why did we come? Oh, we came to find our hope again. We come to claim our worth in God's love. We come to name our joy and experience real peace. We come to find Christ being smuggled into the world once again as we say yes. Tonight I would invite us to close with a short prayer that a child might say. And may we say it with the same amount of innocence and sincerity. It's the third verse of Away in a Manger. Let's say it as prayer together. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever. And love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care. And fit us for heaven to live with you there. Amen. The light is still available, my friends. It's filled with joy and peace and hope. And it's all yours. Thanks be to God. That's why we came. Amen.